On the Riabu podcast today, we're going to be tackling SMEs in the United States. The country with arguably the highest number of COVID-19 infections is doing it tough, especially where the smallest and most vulnerable companies are concerned. And Harvard Business School has now quantified that with a survey. In its report titled, How Are Small Businesses Adjusting to COVID-19? The authors conclude not very well. A large proportion of them have less than one month in cash to last them, uh, some of them even less than one month. And while most of the 4,200 or so survey respondents are in the retail sector, there are bound to be lessons that we can all learn from their plight. And their plight does look very bleak indeed. Skip to the conclusion page, and what you'll see is that companies are really only left with three choices. Take out more debt, take out more loans, cut expenses dramatically, although apparently a lot of the job cuts have already happened, or declare bankruptcy. That's not much of a choice, but Simon Littlewood is here to suggest that maybe there are some pockets of cash that you can still find to survive, Simon. Yeah, let's let's first of all just put aside the businesses that essentially deal in cash, um, like, like restaurants and other retail businesses. It's very difficult for them. Um, any business that is a B2B business or extends credit to its customers has an important asset, which is the receivable asset. Most businesses actually have receivables of one kind or another. The criticality of managing those receivables effectively is particularly important now because, frankly, it's an asset. You can tap it if you're close to your customers. And if you manage the process in the right way, you can drive cash out of it. Um, those that go into the crisis with a cash buffer, and I know you're going to talk about this, but it looks as if most don't have a substantial cash buffer, um, are in a position, even without a cash buffer, very often to extract more cash from their receivables. And the process of extracting the cash very often puts them in a good light with potential borrowers. So that's a good avenue to go down, Mark. Indeed. Now, obviously, the, the report has uh, come up with a whole raft of uh, results which are uh, quite interesting in and of themselves. For example, this idea about taking out loans. Wasn't Donald Trump on television the other day saying that he personally signed every check to small and medium enterprises? Well, according to the survey, one of the findings is that most uh, businesses that do not intend to apply for any sort of government uh, funding, uh, such as the CARES PPP loan scheme, won't do so because they're unsure about the eligibility criteria. In other words, they don't think they'll get any anyway. There's the bureaucratic hassle of all the hoops to jump through just to get to the cash. And at the end of the day, it'll only last them for two and a half months anyway, even if they do get their full allocation. There are other reasons why they don't want to apply, but those seem to be it. So, Simon, uh, what about turning to the banks for help? I mean, is, is that likely to help? Well, I understand that a lot of this federal money is, is, is going to go via the banks. Look, you know, if I, if I compare um, an America to a Singapore, and in Singapore, every business below a certain size got a check from the government within weeks, and there was no form to fill in, and the money arrived straight in your bank account. Uh, that is the corporate bank account, because Singapore knows how much companies are spending because of the online requirement to register your accounts and it knows how badly off they are and it's in a position to actually make that cash payable directly. In the US it's a very complicated endeavor. This is a huge country uh, which is not accustomed to operate as, as a federal single entity. It operates at a state level um, and not surprisingly there have been real difficulties actually getting this cash to the right people. Difficulty one is 
you know, who are they and how do we get it to them? And difficult too is, difficulty too is how do we avoid, avoid fraud? Because if you just rely on people telling you, yes, I'm a small business and this is how much I spend. And I don't have enough money. You're going to have absolutely massive fraud. And we're talking about more than $400 billion in federal money. So uh, it's something you have to get right. Yeah. Simon, Mark. Okay, so in other words, if you're looking just to get a loan, you're barking up the wrong tree. So, which brings us back to the same issue, which is look for it on your existing balance sheet. How? What should you do in concrete? Yes, practice? I mean, so, 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 you know, um, what, what, what we at Riabu have, have always said is you need to take a realistic view of what the future holds. So based on what you think the outcome of this, which is how long is it going to last, what level of revenue you're going to have, if any, you then take a view. If you've got reduced revenue, but some revenue coming in, then you need to quickly cut your costs to align with that revenue expectation. Um, and where possible, you need to drive out cash from your working capital. You may have money stored in inventory. You can convert that to cash. Even if you convert it at a discount to book price, it's still better to have the cash. And as far as, as receivables are concerned, absolutely, that's a significant asset and you need to be close to your customers and where necessary to negotiate with them to make sure that you've got as much cash in hand as you possibly can. Yeah, Mark. But what does that mean in, in practice? Like, uh, because, you know, you, you and I have talked before about sending legal letters and your customers themselves might not have the cash to pay their bills. So, so you know, as far as the legal letters, if a company was already in a position, if a, a customer was already in a position where he or she needed to have a legal letter before this happened, then the probability that they're suddenly going to find the money to pay you is not very high. So <clears throat> the only way, the only respect in which the current situation differs from a normal business situation with regard to receivables is that you need to pay much closer attention in the first instance to those customers who simply aren't going to make it. Because the reality is, however close you are to them, however long you've been doing business, if they're not going to make it through this crisis, and probably in a minute we're going to talk about what companies think about how long this is going to last, but who knows? If they're not going to make it through the crisis, then you should not be extending them any further credit and you need to shut down any support other than trying to negotiate some kind of payment. For the rest of your customers, who we hope are in the majority, it's all about being first in line to get paid, which means that if they're solvent, they're paying somebody and you need to be one of the somebodies that they're paying. Mark. Yes. Okay, so you've, you've dropped that hint twice. So I'm actually going to focus on, on that now. And you can read along with me in your book, as the kids stories used to say, turn to figure seven, uh, where you'll see when these surveyed companies expect the COVID end date, if there is such a thing to actually kick in. And actually, only half of them think it'll be by July the 1st, July the 1st. Now, again, this is 4,200 surveyed uh, companies. And uh, the the survey result, it seems, started on April the 1st, so about a month ago. So a month ago, companies thought that it was going to last at least until July the 1st, with some even still thinking that October the 1st was the more likely end date. And uh, focusing on those companies which have less cash, this is now figure eight in the report, um, the months of cash, those companies which have less cash um, to than one month, are likely more likely than others which have more cash <clears throat> to expect to still be open are less likely than the others to still expect to be open on december 31st so there's a very high expectation among many of these companies that um, COVID is going to still last some months and they may not make it until 
the end of the year. Yes, I mean, those of us who live in, you know, the UK or Singapore or Malaysia or wherever we are, are perhaps accustomed to look at this COVID lockdown as a national thing, where we have a government that says these things are going to be shut down and then they're going to open up. And here in Singapore, the, the, current, uh, the current situation at the moment, we think is going to prevail until the 1st of June. The problem in the US, or the, or the challenge, perhaps would be a better word, is that these decisions are determined not at the federal level, but at the state level. That's to say, it's entirely possible that you're going to have a situation where some states are fully opened up and other states aren't. Uh, and, and generally, and so to the extent that that's true, it's probably going to be the more urbanized states that are going to stay on lockdown and the other ones that are going to open up. So trying to look into a crystal ball and see when activity is going to come back very vexed issue because it depends not just on the nature of the business and on the extent to which you know cash has walked out of your door but what your state policy is on when the lockdown is going to be lifted so 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 that's a vexed issue but to your point if they've only got one or two months of cash then they're very unlikely to last uh, even a relatively short lockdown and if if you look at the expectations uh, many companies in the survey uh, I think it's 60 or 70% think that it will be lifted by October and a small number not till the end of the year. Well, uh, if it's October and you're one of those companies that's essentially seeing little or no activity, then it's hard to see how even with federal money, even assume that works out, it's hard to see how you're going to be able to survive. Yeah. Well, I'm so surprised to hear you say that, Simon. I thought Dear Leader was personally signing every check and that he had total control over all the states. Yeah, well, uh, he doesn't, and he's made a point of, of, of not uh, taking control. I mean, there are many of us who think it's interesting because, you know, his party is very much about, you know, less federal government, although if you actually look at what the federal government's spending, that's not entirely consistent uh, with, that, with that line. Um, but this is one area many of us think where the federal government should perhaps have taken a firm hand for the very obvious reason, and, you know, this is not strictly speaking, a receivables stop discussion. But if you have one state where everyone's allowed to go back out to work and wander around and on the other side of a bridge, you know, because the states do not have borders, it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, Asia, uh, you can just drive from one state to another. So it's not entirely clear how you can have lockdown in one area and then just down the road not have lockdown without having a very mixed result in terms of the spreading of the disease and so on and so forth. So, so all of that is quite worrying in terms of the ability to discern when you're going to come out of this. And therefore, as a logical conclusion, if you're a company trying to figure out how much cash I need to make it through, difficult, difficult to figure it out, Mark. Um, you know, on the one hand, just uh, zooming in a little bit on this uh, federal intervention thing or, or government intervention in general, you know, I mean, is it even possible to have it both ways where you say we want as little government intervention as possible? And well, you um, at the, the end of the day, we were, we were talking about this. A little, yes. Well, we were talking a little bit about this. I mean, the answer is there are some things when you need an organized federal government to act relatively quickly. But most of the time, you want to be able to get on with your life, you know, unmolested by federal yes, rules and regulations. But, but, but that's precisely my point that, you know, these companies say, oh, um, you know, they, well, rather these people say that, oh, we need to have less and less government influence on our lives. Freedom, you know, all of that stuff. But as soon as the crap hits the fan, then everybody looks back to the government. So, I mean, to an extent, you could argue that, well, you want less government, so ride it out. You know, you yeah. see how you get 
Well, to, to be fair, you know, 13% of respondents to the survey do say that they will not be applying for PPP loans um, because of the hassle of the application or distrust of the federal government. Um, so there is widespread distrust of the federal government. And, you know, by reputation, I mean, I haven't applied for a loan in, in, in the US from the federal government. You know, it is extremely bureaucratic and companies that are worried about the possibility of survival you know maybe aren't too interested in getting involved in some very slow bureaucratic process and finally they need the money now they need the money now not in two or three months at the end of a sort of application process think how long it typically takes to get money out of a bank let's say if you want a business loan and think of it in those terms you know a couple of months probably um it's too late because most businesses have less than two months of cash reserves right Let's say, for argument's sake, that you're one of those companies that survives. Um, you see all around you shops shuttering. Um, somehow, maybe through prudence in the good times or uh, whatever, sheer good luck, maybe you're in an industry that is actually benefiting uh, from, from the, the current crisis. Maybe you're manufacturing face masks or, or, deterred, or, or a disinfectant or whatever it is. I mean, what should your role now be in order to you know, as, as other companies around you, including your competitors uh, and your customers are folding? Well, you should try and be a good citizen. But let's be clear, you know, it's not binary. There are certain kinds of businesses, including certain kinds of retail businesses that can, for example, sell some of their inventory online. So let's say, for example, you want to turn money into cash and you've got a warehouse behind the shop, um, you know, which is full of product that you can't sell through your retail outlet because it's closed. Well, you can do a deal with the delivery service and start selling that to people at home because you're allowed to deliver stuff. Um, so, um, so there are ways of turning you know, a, a, an asset into cash and maybe you need to discount it very heavily, um, but it's better to have the cash and not to have the cash. Um, there are other businesses like restaurant businesses. We talked about this. They can't entertain people in their restaurants, but if they've got a kitchen, and this is happening with many restaurant businesses in Singapore, they quickly reduce their menu to a smaller manageable size and they start to offer meals by post. They, they, uh, they have an app where you go to the address and it gets delivered to your door. Not as lucrative as operating as a restaurant and much smaller margins, but if you cut your costs appropriately and maybe with a bit of federal assistance in due course, that might be enough to see you through, Mark. That's a positive note to leave it on, Simon, just as we like it. Thank you very much. And by the way, if you have missed our series on the 10 items, 10 things that you must do, to survive and prosper during and after COVID-19. Look out for it on Spotify, Podbean or iTunes. You'll find the podcast series under Riabu. Thanks, Simon. Thank you, Mark.